It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> cheeky. That's cheeky sneaky. Lover of the Russian queen. I think that's a great career move. In this economy... Welcome to episode numero foro of Cursed or Blast, and that was the sound of us clinking our beer. This is joyful beer instead of sadness wine, like we had in the previous episode. <laughs> We're drinking a beer called Pale Keith. It's not bad. It's a pale ale uh, brewed in Keith. It's made of Keiths. Yeah. <laughs> Crushed up. Several Keiths were harmed in the making of this beer. Thankfully, I was able to save my dad, Keith, just in time. We're in a weird mood. <laughs> We're not drunk. We're just happy. We just we saw a film with joy in it, and it's changed us. Yeah. Um, so you might remember that, oh, I think it may have been in the Return to Oz episode, we said whatever film we watch after this has a significant advantage, because it won't be as bleak. <laughs> and then we watched The NeverEnding Story. And I haven't felt quite right as a person ever since watching that. I was incensed. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided afterwards to choose something that I had watched, but Shannon hadn't, that is, I think, enjoyed mostly by people, um, but definitely has cursed aspects. It's historically inappropriate. Yeah, there's some some choices. We watched Anastasia just now, and we did watch it just now. We're fresh from watching Anastasia. Just turned off the recording. Um, Can you hear the joy in our hearts? We're fulfilled as people. We... We laughed. We didn't cry, but we felt feelings. I just shed a tear, but I just had a coughing fit in the toilet. So. <laughs> it wasn't related to the. Movie, I didn't shed say. a cheer, but a cheer tear. Um, but I did get chills mm. in um, Once Upon a December. Anastasia was a much better time. <laughs> it was yeah from from three terrible, terrifying movies, we've had a significant step up. We've gone from a triple cursed to, well, we won't reveal what we're giving it until later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. This, this, and I think we've, we've um, improved things by going from the 80s to the 90s. Mm-hmm. That we, feels nice. We are creatures of the 90s, though. Yeah, that's why we feel so at home. We feel we safe there. We finally found our home. Oh. After searching for so long. Like Anastasia. Like, we forgot what our home was. The, and it turned out to be Dimitri's 90s haircut. Ah, uh, you know what? There the are serious hair goals in this movie. The two protagonists, Dimitri and Anastasia, have amazing fringes. I'm per- personal note, I'm trying to grow out my fringe. And this has given me some stylistic tips from both of them. Some days I'm going to go Dimitri, some days I'm going to go Anastasia. Can you really pull off that Dimitri little sort of in-sync curl? I don't know why I'm saying (laughs) it's like in-sync. I never listened to them in the 90s because I was ages 1 through 5 in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you think I can pull off an in-sync curl. I think you can. I have faith in you. <laughs> oh, I'm also going to be a con man. I think that's a great career move. In yeah. this economy, 
in the year of our Lord 2019. It's time to become a con man. They were very wholesome con men in Anastasia. Yeah. So this is a Don Bluth movie. Mm-hmm. And it is all about Anastasia Romanov of the Romanov family, which if you remember from history, got brutally massacred. Great premise for a children's movie. Before watching this movie, I did tell Shannon to read the history of the Romanov family. Do you want to do a a kind of little spark notes of that? Yeah, what this led to was me reading facts about the Romanovs being massacred off my phone while we both ate dinner earlier tonight. Mm -hmm. The Romanovs were killed in, was it the Bolshevik Revolution? Yeah. Do I sound like an idiot right now? That's the Red Revolution. The Romanov family were killed, all of them died, and their bodies were dumped in a mass grave, but they weren't... The bodies weren't recovered under communist Russia, so then there was a a rumor that the youngest daughter, Anastasia, had survived. So the rumor that the movie is based on was actually in circulation during the time period the movie is set in. So that part is accurate, and that is where the accuracy ends. They do take some creative routes to achieve, the, I guess, the, the story of the rumor. Yeah. So that was sort of the context I was coming from, was that this this family had been brutally murdered. And also, I, I previously knew things about Rasputin, the villain of the piece. Yeah. Because I'm a ghoul and enjoy stories about a man being murdered and also 80s pop songs. Yeah, we've been dunking on the 80s a lot in this podcast, but let's take a moment to appreciate uh, Ra, Ra, Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. Um, I was saying to Shannon earlier... I always think when I'm listening to this song, always, that it would be nice if when humanity finally does like destroy itself, which I'm not looking forward to, but it's going to happen. Happy Friday evening. That I really hope aliens only find one artifact from human history, and that that is the Rasputin song. And I, I think I said that I would like the English language to be reconstructed from the Rasputin song. Yeah, like having <laughs> people greet each other by being like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Merely two weeks before the massacre of the Romanovs. Yeah. We're in a ballroom and uh, Anastasia has been given a a music box and a necklace by her beloved grandmama, the Dowager Dowager Empress. Empress. Better than a childlike empress, let me tell you. Much better than a childlike empress. The necklace is the key to the music box, it winds it. But just as the party is getting started, uh, Rasputin enters. Maleficent style, yeah. ready to crash the hell out of this party. Says that he's going to banish the Romanovs and he will destroy their legacy within a fortnight. Drops a tube of green smoke on the floor mm-hmm. and sets off some political magics. What he's done is he sold his soul to the forces of evil. Yeah. Such that he can inspire all of Russia to just randomly turn against the Romanovs. What could possibly have inspired that? (laughs) Not a complex series of socio-political factors. Evil demon magic. (laughs) The Romanovs just, they did nothing wrong, according to this movie. Uh, Yeah, so he magics Russia to hate the Romanovs, and sure enough, as it's implied the rest of the family is being massacred, Anastasia is escaping with her grandma. Mm -hmm. Rasputin tries to grab her. She kind of kicks at him, and he falls into the lake. 
So this is where I'd like to interject with some history of Rasputin, because this is fascinating to me. The, the way the movie frames it is that Rasputin's angry because Tsar Nicholas has banished him. This did not happen. Um, a bunch of, of noblemen got together and killed Rasputin because Nicholas wouldn't get rid of him. Because yeah. everyone, not everyone, obviously, Nicholas... Tsar Nicholas and his wife liked having him around, but powerful people thought he was getting too powerful. Becoming an influencer. So, rah, rah, Rasputin, they slipped some poison into his wine. He drank it all and said, I feel fine. <laughs> he died a fortnight before the massacre, which is when this movie starts, but in the movie, Rasputin doesn't die until the night of the massacre when Anastasia kicks him in the head and he falls into a lake. Yeah, yeah, and that knocks Anastasia out, and she becomes... She knocks out trying to get onto the train. Yeah, and she loses her memory. Let's see. Should we just try and do, like, a quick-fire plot here? Yeah, we can go really quick. It's not complicated after this point. All right. So uh, we then skip forward in time ten years to uh, St. Petersburg, which has become a horrible, horrible communist place. Everyone's so depressed, apart from all the dancing that they're doing. Lots of choreographed dance. Wonderful song. Have you heard? There's a rumor in St. Petersburg, and it's all about the rumor that Anastasia is still alive. People are, you know, it's the only thing that sees them through the day, being comrades and working, Mm -hmm. you know, just living under the tyranny of communism. They've got to, like, rely on some gossip and some good old dancing in the streets. And in this song, we learn that there are two con men, Vlad, played by Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Lovely, jowly character. And Dimitri, 90s heartthrob Dimitri. Played by John Cusack. Yeah. They are trying to find Anastasia lookalikes to receive... 1,000? 10,000. 10,000 rubles from the Dowager Empress who's given... Set word that she, she'll give a reward to anyone who can find Anastasia. And return her to Paris. So the question is, they're, they're doing this scam, but is the real Anastasia still alive? Yeah, yes. we find out instantly. The answer is very much yes. She's in an orphanage where we sort of quickly learn that she's been there for the past 10 years. The woman who runs the orphanage is setting her up with a job as a fishmonger. Yeah. Something like that. Something fishy. Yeah. And then Anastasia goes off to start her new job and reaches a crossroads. Symbolism. Mm. That's what my whole English degree was for, for this moment. That whole thing where she's like, someone send me a sign. And she's sat by a sign. Her adorable animal companion, Puka, appears. The tiny little dog. He's adorable. Uh, Do you want to hear a fact about the dog? I do. I wanted to tell you this immediately in the film. I thought (laughs) I should wait. Okay, Puka, the dog. A really, really adorable character. He is based off a real life dog. What? Uh, yeah, so this was a family dog of the Romanovs who actually escaped the massacre for realsies. Mm. Um, he ran out of the palace and was picked up by a Russian colonel, mm-hmm. who a colonel of the Romanovs, who managed to escape. So he took the dog, scooped him up, took him to England, and lived out his days quite happily in England. Puka is real. That's so good. That's so wholesome. Yeah. a boy, Puka. The only character who 
is actually based on history in this movie who had a good life. Yeah. And didn't die horrifically. And did not die horrifically, either shot or thrown in a lake. Yeah. Or in Rasputin's case, both. <laughs> and poisoned. And strangled. <laughs> he died eventually. We got him in the end. And <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been your day, your week, or even your year. <laughs> Friends, but with Rasputin. <laughs> you had a lot of pizzazz to that show. Yeah. I I really liked when it was clearly a Rasputin. Do you remember when Rasputin was dating Phoebe? Dude, I thought these was... two were kook- kooky enough to be together. Yeah, I think that energy worked. It brought a lot to the show. And every time he tried to curse Joey, it was just like, ah, oh, Rasputin. <laughs> Sometimes I wanted him to kill Joey. (laughs) Where were we, Shannon? Um, Puka. Puka. Puka the dog leads her to St. Petersburg by stealing her scarf and running down the road to St. Petersburg. So she gets to St. Petersburg and she tries to immediately leave to uh, go to Paris. She knows that she has family in Paris because of the necklace that was given to her by her grandma that says... Together in Paris. Yeah, it's the it's the same necklace that's the key to the music box. So she knows that her life is somewhere to be found in Paris, but not exactly how. She needs an exit visa to leave St. Petersburg and is immediately told by an old crone mm-hmm. to find a man called Dimitri who is established immediately as a con artist mm-hmm. to Anastasia. Yeah, this will come up again later. Yeah. Um, and she, he can help her out. So, she goes to the pal- At this point, I paused the movie and I said to Shannon, wow, this plot is, like, snappy AF. Yeah, this is a lot less belabored than everything that happened in The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> like, at this point in The NeverEnding Story, we were... I, I was gonna go back to talking about the egg. We were still watching Bastion's father... Drink an egg. <laughs> yeah. We were still trying to establish that Bastion's mother, Moonchild, is dead. <laughs> uh, Anastasia can't even remember that all of her family were brutally shot in the head multiple times, stabbed with bayonets and bludgeoned. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so she gets to the palace and uh, has um, some flashes of memory are coming back to her about, you know, beautiful balls Dancing bears, something, something, things she longs to remember. <laughs> Charming songs such as the one that we just, uh, They're real, it was out. real music with lyrics and melody that went on for more than two lines, and, like, Once Upon a December was beautiful. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. Some, like, real Elsa-style dress changes. Though. Yeah, there was Better a great... Great quick change. Yeah. Um, she's having a great time dancing around, uh, immersed in in hazy memories. But she is interrupted by Dimitri and Vlad, who instantly notice that she kind of looks like Anastasia. Mm-hmm. And they think, we're on to something. We're on to something, something, something. What's funny to me is that like she immediately says... Oh, I have no memories. Um, 
from before I turned up at the orphanage when I was eight years old. <laughs> and they're like staring at her and staring at the photo of Anastasia, or the painting of Anastasia on the wall behind her because they're in the palace. Um, and they're like, this is convenient. And it doesn't occur to either of them that she might actually be Anastasia at this point. No, not at this stage. Like, not in the slightest. And like the timeline matches up. She looks exactly like her. And she's an amnesiac. And they're both like, handy. <laughs> but what they do do is kind of say to her, we need someone who looks like Anastasia so we can go to the uh, Delta Empress in Paris. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to go to Paris. That's convenient. They're like, yeah, well, you look like Anastasia. So if you pretend to be her, then, you know, win-win. And she says, hmm. I guess I could. I guess I could pretend to be Anastasia. It's very important that she knows that this is what they're doing from the beginning. Yeah. Because she's very much like... Dimitri and Vlad are both like, you could be Anastasia. And she's like, I'm not Anastasia. And they're like, oh, that's a shame. Because we'd take you to Paris if you were Anastasia. And then she, who thinks she's not Anastasia lies and says maybe I could be like she's yeah. she's in on it in on it so with that they immediately leave on the train um there's a bit of banter back and forth with Anastasia and Dimitri which we'll get to as a point later <laughs> <laughs> um and it's all going fairly well and oh hang on hold up hold the phone before they get onto the train my favorite character do you want to take this Shannon Bartok the bat I love him. I love everything about him. That stupid bat. He's a very good bat. <laughs> he's a good bat. He's unlike the bat from the never-ending story. He's a very good bat. He's Yiddish. I think. Is he? He he's he okay. He sounds like the perfect vocal fusion between Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. I'm... Hi everybody. Hi Dr. Nick. I've never watched The Simpsons. Okay, Zoidberg from Futurama. I do know who that is. And Nadja from the TV, What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. Laszlo, <laughs> that bloody hat. <laughs> That's an excellent show endorsed by this podcast. Yeah, they didn't pay us to say that. We actually like it. Things we watch for joy. Yeah, we watch that for joy after we've watched something horrific. <laughs> Anyway, Bartok the Bat has seen this exchange between Anastasia and Dimitri and Vlad in the palace, and he is guarding this uh, green smoke tube, which suddenly reignites, and he puts two and two together and thinks, well, the magic has reignited, that must be Anastasia for realsies, but I tell my master, Rasputin. But he gets pulled via a series of... At first it looks like a cavern, and then it looks like the human body. And then it looks like a lake. And then it looks like hell. And then um, Rasputin eventually says they're in limbo. Uh, and he finds Rasputin, who is, oh, he's in a real old state. He's having a sad time. He's decomposing. His body's fallen mm-hmm. hither and thither. But uh, Bartok says, look, I think Anastasia's back. And he mm-hmm. slowly, you know, gets his at bat together and sings classic song, Be Prepared to a Bunch of Hyenas. (laughs) 
We were, this is about where we started picking up on all the Disney echoes going on of movies of a very similar era. There's a lot of Lion King, be prepared. We thought that Rasputin looked a little bit like Jafar from Aladdin. Mm. Um, Less of a fox than Jafar. <laughs> I hate Jafar. <laughs> when I was in Disneyland or Disney World or whatever, the one that it was in Florida, um, I guess it's still there. I was, I was quite little, and my mom kept trying to get me to get a photo with Jafar. Why? And, like, mascots already freak me out. Like, anything where you, they have a big head and, like, a motionless face, they scare me. Jafar doesn't need a big head. He needs a regular face. Yeah, but he had one. He had a mask on. That was oh. unnecessary. Mm. And, like, my mom made me get a photo with him, and I've never forgiven her for that. <laughs> I'm traumatized. That's a weird one to have a photo with. I, well, the first time I went to Disneyland, I wanted to meet Ariel. So mm-hmm. I was in a long, cute, long queue to see mm-hmm. Ariel. But I was also terrified that if Ariel was there, Ursula might be there. Did not want to meet Ursula in, uh, Ursula in the flesh. Mm-hmm. No way, no how. Mm-hmm. Uh, it freaked me out. Um, yeah, these things are kind of scary for kids. They're very scary. And they, they just have this, like blank expression at least the princesses are dynamic and they talk Mm. but the ones that just wander around with big heads they scare me i when i was working at a university i was we had to film videos as the mascot the dalhousie tiger and why tiger how many many native to nova scotia canada is the the tiger Um, (laughs) I have no idea why that's the mascot of the school. Um, I point blank refused to film anything with the tiger. Even if it was my coworker who I knew, I could watch them put the head on and I would still be too freaked out to film a video with them. (laughs) I think this is kind of leading in to what's coming before in our podcast episodes, which Mm -hmm. is that the two of us freaking hate puppets yeah and i think this might also go into mascots too yeah i think it does yeah i think this podcast has a firm anti-puppet stance (laughs) and i'm gonna die on that hill yeah because muppets are not puppets oh god yeah there's a whole thing with big bird stealing my mum in my nightmare as a kid Mm, that's true See, I'm pro-Muppet. I do like a Muppet. We're talking Sesame Street here. Sesame Street is different. Give give me a Muppet any day. Mm -hmm. Any day of the week. I do like a Fraggle, too, from Fraggle Rock. Have you seen Fraggle Rock? You showed me bits of it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Fraggle Rock. I'd be a contender for this uh, (laughs) podcast. I think think Fraggle Rock is a strong contender for this podcast. We've gotten deep into some puppet discourse, and I feel like we should return to the plot a little bit. (laughs) Wind our way back to Anastasia. Rasputin um, looks like Jafar, and he sends a curse on Anastasia of these sort of, like, floaty green bat magic things to, like, derail the train. Yeah. And they immediately succeed in derailing the train, and there's a very big, exciting train derailing scene. One of the best train derailing scenes I've seen. But this is the first time we see that weird animation thing that comes <sighs> up throughout the movie. Yeah. And this is... This came out in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Um... So we're still kind of working out the kinks with some of the more 3D animation, and there's several scenes where it's always something that's moving. There's a train, there's a car, 
There's a giant stone horse. Yeah, um, the camera will pan around it strangely, and it's it's almost like the the image isn't fully rendered. It's just a little bit too smooth looking, mm, and it doesn't. Ava's butt to go a few times. Yeah, We're both like, it's very disorienting, and it it's clearly like a a newer effect for the movie. They're trying to show it off a lot, and doesn't always work. In fact, mm-hmm. it mostly does not work. And it certainly does not work in this train film because I felt motion sick. Yeah. Which, I, to be honest, I would feel motion sick if I was on a derailing train. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want that to happen ever. Yeah, that's not a dream of mine. So they managed to escape the train and decide to walk through Poland instead. The famously tiny country of Poland. <laughs> they just walk it. And they give Anastasia some etiquette lessons and uh, give her some trivia about how to be a Romanov. And she's starting to add things to the conversation that they didn't tell her. There's a very charming song where they rhyme Romanov and Stroganov. (laughs) I do not like the Stroganov spoken like a true Romanov. It sounds a little bit Dr. Seuss when you say it like that. (laughs) Um, Oh, good song. Thank you, Kelsey Grammer. So yeah. after she's learned some etiquette and she's starting to yeah fill in some of the blanks herself and they're like, oh, that's a bit strange. We didn't tell her that information about the yellow cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's feeling a bit more confident and he decided to board a oh. boat, which seems to go from the eastern part of Denmark, up around Denmark and down to the west coast of France, which is the only coast of France. <laughs> geography. geography. <laughs> I've got two degrees in. I have none degrees in geography, so I'm just gonna let Elise take this one. I don't know. Okay, I don't. Why did they go that way? There must have been some sort of geopolitical reason not to go inland, and we did mention maybe it's because they didn't want to risk it on the train without proper papers. Hello, it's me, Elise, from the future. So in this section, I've just edited it out because we make a lot of really stupid mistakes. Do you know how a second ago I just said that the west coast of France was the only coast of France? That's not true. France also has a south coast. And then I say I have two geography degrees. Yeah, and I'm working on a third one. I should bloody well know that France has more than one coastline. We also make a series of mistakes in this section whereby we wonder how they travelled from Strasbourg to Paris via the west coast of France. They don't, they travel from Strasland in Denmark. And then we have a whole discussion about why were they not travelling inland. Oh, because World War One was happening, that's why. But the thing is that time moves in a linear fashion, and we were not thinking clearly about the time that had elapsed since the Bolshevik Revolution, and now that Anastasia has aged. And it turns out that it's the 20s. Welcome to the 20s. So this has just been a little update. We're stupid. (laughs) What can I say? I'm sorry. Uh, I'll I'll let us continue. Goodbye. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They go to Paris on the boat. And while they are on the boat in transit, uh, Dimitri teaches Anastasia how to waltz. More on that later. And... Rasputin tries to mentally manipulate her. So she's sleeping and he summons some butterflies and evil demons to get in her head and make her sleepwalk. 
she's hallucinating that she's in a beautiful pastoral scene mm -hmm. and she's being lured by a little boy and some um, people having fun of her own age. I think um, they're meant to be like her sisters and her oh, father. Ah, yes. And then the little well, boy is her brother. Mm, that makes sense. They lure her um, up onto the top deck of the ship and she's kind of swaying around, um, almost falling into the water. But it's okay because Puka, Puka the dog, has woken Dimitri up and mm -hmm. he comes and saves her. And then she says, The Romanov curse! I keep on seeing faces! It was a very odd moment, because the faces were not what stood out to me mm. in that scene. Unless she's haunted by the memory of her dead family, and that's what she means by faces. But yeah. mostly the thing she was seeing was butterflies and then a demon. Yeah, the demon's not a great thing to see in the dream. No. Um, <laughs> so... When they finally arrive in Paris, Vlad connects them to his old flame, Sophia. Mm -hmm. Who's the cousin of the Dowager Empress. Played by Bernadette Peters. Yep. And she is, uh, so, yeah, she's the cousin and also acts as an assistant to the Dowager Empress, who is getting more and more irritated by the day of all these fake Anastasias coming in and trying to win her favor and also the 10,000 rubles. And she says, you know what, Sophia, I'm over it. As of today, no more Anastasias. I'm old, I don't have time to be dealing with this. Let the dead be dead, you know? Bad timing, because that's when uh, Dimitri and Anastasia have uh, come to present themselves. So Sophie skirts her way around this by implying to Vlad that she and the Dowager Empress will be at the ballet that night. So if Anastasia wants to show up, she can't stop her. Mm. But before that, we have the wonderful song Welcome to the 60s from Hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Paris. But it's Paris. Um, and beautiful animation in this song. Yes, lovely. Very... Very intriguing choice to do sort of... The backdrops are more like static paintings with the animated figures moving through them. And that was kind mm. of... It was it was very creative. I really appreciated that. But there's a cog in the works. In fact, two cogs. Cog number one. Rasputin has come up with a plan to go to Paris himself via the train. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he... He still has to travel through, you know, human means and kill Anastasia himself. So he is planning to do that. So you know he's on the route. Cog number two. Um, when talking to Sophia, Anastasia reveals that she kind of remembers uh, a young servant boy saving her from the siege and going to collect the music box that she's, been, that she's left behind. Um, but she kind of dismiss dismisses that. She's like, oh, well, that's kind of stupid. That's probably like a, you know, a fake memory. I'm not even sure. And Dimitri is like, oh, heck, I was that servant boy. And then he realizes that Anastasia is the real Anastasia. Mm -hmm. And he's fallen in love with her. Yeah. Fallen in love. <laughs> um, so he spends a lot of time in this part of the movie moping. He, he is super mopey. He, it's the sort of classic 
um, princess and the pauper sort of bit where the pauper's like, I'm not good enough. I'm just going to leave her be and slouch <laughs> off into the shadows and get on a train. <laughs> <laughs> so finally they end up at the ballet and it's time to go and meet the empress. Dimitri goes into the empress's viewing box first and says, listen, I know you're not seeing any more Anastasia's, but I have the real deal. She, you know, remembered all of this stuff. There's no way it can't be her. She remembered that I was a servant boy, but the Empress is not interested. She's over it. She's She called it yesterday. Um, she's trying to enjoy the ballet. And th- literally throws Dimitri out of the door. Yeah. Um, and, but not before saying, oh, Dimitri, you're the con man. You've been trying to recruit Anastasia's to come and win the 10,000 rubles. I don't trust you. Anastasia is listening on the other side of the door and apparently is learning for the first time that Dimitri is a con man. <laughs> yeah, she's so offended, like shocked and horrified. and Like she wasn't fully on board with this plan from the start and <laughs> lied to him in order to get the ticket to Paris. Yeah. So that's a bit confusing. Is this a kind of like false, like fake betrayal subplot? Yeah. Um, that I think they must have written in either without thought or the very last minute. Also, I'm just going to interject right here. Mm-hmm. You know who has a lot of uncredited um, writing in this film? Who? Carrie Fisher. What? Oh, I, I know about this. She was a script doctor. Huh. So she was she was one of Hollywood's best script doctors where no like, like a script doctor is where you have the the script and you doctor make, it. you doctor it you, you make it better surgery on it. um you, you edit, yeah you edit it and make it more presentable for film and hmm. yeah she has a lot of uncredited writing on quite a few films nice one well hopefully she didn't have anything to do with this strange betrayal subplot it's it's very awkward now between anastasia and dimitri dimitri still wants Uh, this reunion between Anastasia and the Empress to happen, though, genuinely. So what he does is he sneaks around outside the ballet, the Empress is getting into the car, and he steals the car. He gets in there before the driver can and uh, basically takes her hostage and says, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you ignore your granddaughter who's right in front of your eyes. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll meet her then. Like, uh, fine. Um, because he talks about the music box and, and presents yeah. her with the music box. Oh, important plot point that we didn't mention. When the, the Empress and Anastasia are escaping the palace, there's a little boy who shows them a secret passageway, and Dimitri is the little boy, which is how he has the music box, because Anastasia drops it, mm-hmm. and he picks it up. So this is enough to convince the Empress. So uh, they go back to their hotel, or... or the Airbnb or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. And um, very nice Airbnb. It's a great Airbnb. Yeah. They get to the Airbnb. Anastasia is packing up to go home. She is really angry at Dimitri. Uh, but the Empress comes in and says, You do certainly actually look like Anastasia. Do you know who you are? Anastasia says, Oh, I hope you would tell me about that. Um, I really want to remember who I am, but I, I'm thrown for a loop. I've been tricked. I don't, I don't even know. And then she smells the beautiful pepperminty smell that the Empress has on her body. It's like, she said it's oil it's, for her hands. Mm. 
and this brings back memories of when she spilled peppermint on the floor and um, it reminded her of the Empress from back in the day and uh, the Empress pulls out the music box and Estasia pulls out the key. the key in the form of the necklace and starts singing the song from the music box, Once Upon a December, and they both know the words and they realise that it's true she is a Princess Anastasia. Cut to the news has been revealed that the princess is has returned, she's alive, they're gonna throw a big party for her. Rasputin, who has now arrived in Par- Paris with Bartok, is planning to go to the party himself and kill Anastasia in person. Mm. Bartok's not happy about this, he just wants to dance. Bartok just wants to have a party. Though, I think this is a good point to point out that while we've mentioned some similarities between especially Rasputin and some Disney villains, Rasputin does treat Bartok a lot better than, say, Jafar treats Iago. Yeah. Or Hades treats those two little demon things that he hangs out with. That's true. Bartok has a pretty sweet deal in this movie. Yeah. We'll get to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, cut to the party. Uh, Dimitri has decided to, you know, return back to St. Petersburg. Vlad convinces him not to, but Dimitri's like, no, I can't, we can't be together, she's angry with me, it's a whole thing, I'm just gonna mope. Let me mope. So (laughs) he's Let me mope and go to the train station, goddammit! Before the party, the Empress tells Anastasia, um, after a kind of long, prolonged, needlessly dramatic pause, that Dimitri has not actually accepted the money, and that he revealed Anastasia to her genuinely out of the kindness of his own heart. Um, And Anastasia thinks, oh no, I was wrong about him. And the Empress says, you have a choice. You can either, you know, stay for the party and embrace your new life as a princess, or you can go and find him. And she's like, okay, bye. (laughs) So she's drawn outside in a fit of indecision, partly by Puka and partly by... Noises. And just angst, generally. Yeah. And she goes into the hedge maze. Never a good idea. No. Um, and the, the maze... Diggory. Yeah, exactly. Look what happened to him. He went into a hedge maze, he died. You know what I like doing in mazes? Hiding in the corn and scaring other children. I mean, I'm not a child anymore. When I was a child, I did that. Of My course. dad taught me that trick. Of course you did. Everything about you says that that's what you did as a child. I... I'm sorry. <laughs> My one icon in life was Dimitri. <laughs> lovable rogue. <laughs> it's great, though, because corn is very easy to hide in. It is very easy to hide in. I worked you, in a cornfield once. Hey, did you have kids like me there, rustling the corn and then jumping out? No, because we got up at, like, four in the morning and we're out in the field just working for hours. Oh, you were just a corn farmer. No, I wasn't. I was detasseling it, not picking it. You weren't working in a maze. No. Oh. I was actually working like in a cornfield. Okay. Yeah. Well, multiple cornfields. This is the thing you do in Southern Ontario. Any of our listeners from Southern Ontario, you've definitely done this job if you are 16 and want money. If you are from Cambridge, maybe you worked at the maze maze. 
It was called the Maze Maze. We and had its a... tagline was, it's amazing. We did have a Maze Maze in Southern Ontario as well. I just did not work there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Thamesville Corn, corn Maze. There's a lot of maze discourse, so we'll just continue. (laughs) She goes into the hedge maze, not a corn maze, hedge maze, and encounters Rasputin, and there's a fight. Yeah. Um, They end up on a bridge somehow. I don't know how the bridge comes into it, but they're on the bridge, and the bridge breaks, and she's falling off the bridge, and he He brings a big stone horse to life, and... It's a whole thing, and then Dimitri is there. We don't know why Dimitri is here. It's just kind of, he senses that something's up. His spidey senses are tingling. Yeah, we never see him make the decision to leave the train station. But he doesn't do much. He just He's just kind of flung around by the horse. Yeah. He, he leaps heroically and then is whacked away. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do a whole lot. He gets hit on the head with a rock pretty early into this fight. But um, I think it's quite cool, because it means that the uh, real conflict is between Anastasia and... Rasputin and his just like in history <laughs> just and just like in history his little magic glass tube that has made Russia randomly hate the Romanovs comes rolling to her feet um, and she starts to stamp on it and his powers start to diminish she's like this one's for Dimitri and this one's for my family and this one's for you Rasputin and then he dies in the most horrifically animated scene I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh my <laughs> yes. god. Oh my god. He like he melted into like grayish goo. Vile. And then I thought it was done like Wicked Witch of the West style cuz he's got like a big cloak on. So the cloak like turns into a puddle and we're like, "Okay, we're done here." <laughs> and then the cloak flips over and you see his like, flesh melt off a skeleton, and then the skeleton turns green and just shakes it for a bit. It spasms for a solid <laughs> ten seconds. It's awful. <laughs> and then that starts to vaporize slowly, and then we slowly see the powder of the bones be swept away into Paris. Yeah, it's like, okay, I believe you, he's dead. So then, he's dead. And we think that Dimitri is dead too because he's been hit by a lot of falling stones. Um, so Anastasia rushes over to help him and it's okay, he's alive! He, he, he you know, mm-hmm. gets back up and they almost smooch but then they realise as a matter of her fate mm-hmm. she can either be with him or be a princess for some reason. For reasons that escape me because she's not actually holding any sort of political power at this stage. <laughs> yeah. She's very much a deposed Russian princess in Paris. And if I were her, I'd be kind of scared. I wouldn't... I would feel like people would still come after me if I were Anastasia. Yeah. IRL. Yeah. Well, that's she chooses to live the life of anonymity with Dimitri. So she leaves a note uh, with the Dowager Emperor saying... I'm going to meet you in Paris again at some point soon, but for now, we're on a gap year. We're just seeing the sights. <laughs> um, we've eloped. Goodbye. My dear grandmother, who's been waiting ten years to see me. Lol, bye. <laughs> uh, so then the last kind of shots that we, we see are Anastasia and Dimitri smooching on a boat. Mm-hmm. Finally, thank God. Yeah, there were but, a lot of false starts on that one. Yeah. Um, and dancing and and having a great romantic time on the Seine. And the final shot we see in this movie is Bartok dancing on his own on top of a building and then being greeted by a pink 
lady bat. And we know she's a lady because she has eyelashes, curves, and a little tuft of fur where her little bat boobies would be. <laughs> this pink bat is so cursed. <laughs> Even if nothing else in the movie is. That pink bat. And the last line is, wow, I tell you what, wow. I don't know why they decided to end on this. Bartok was not the... I liked Bartok the best of all the characters, but he was not Anastasia's charming animal companion. (laughs) It would be like ending Aladdin with Iago being like, life's great now that Jafar is dead. And then just (laughs) the movie ends. But not before meeting a lady parrot. Well, a lady parrot with with parrot boobies. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole movie I've realized in the course of our conversation that I was wrong about why they couldn't take the train because it's 1916 at the beginning of the movie oh it's 1926 it's 1926 for the rest of the movie because there are flappers in the Paris exactly yeah because they skipped 10 years so they have no excuse for not taking the train to Paris yeah they're just being inefficient yeah I would love to be a flapper yeah. Um, no, actually, because then I would have to go through the whole depression afterwards. Yeah. Just get a flapper dress. Get a flapper dress. And just exist as a PhD student in a school of geosciences wearing my flapper dress. And Ex- they're like, oh, it's a flapper girl. Exactly. Yeah, it's that flapper ecologist. Make your own style. Yeah. Be a flapper ecologist. I support you. Go around saying, oh, applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not get into flapper discourse. <laughs> so I think it's obvious from our summary that we're more excited about this movie than either of the two previous ones. I think we were quite excited in a different way about Pinocchio. Hmm. The last two had a certain level of bleakness bleakness to them and this was not a bleak movie it was very engaging the difference between return to oz and never ending story and anastasia is those two movies don't have charismatic villains Mm. or charismatic protagonists and this movie has both and to be fair so did pinocchio but this movie has both in in bucket loads yeah because the two main villains are the lovable Bartok, mm-hmm. and honestly, the slightly relatable Rasputin. He's a very dynamic character. He's yeah. got, like, in just even in the way he's animated, he's voiced by Christopher Lloyd, who's always fantastic. Mm. And, yeah, he the way he's animated all, like... Bits of him are always falling off, and he's, like, picking them back up and sticking them back on, he's, and he's, he's very engaging yeah. to look at. He's melodramatic. Like, his arm will fall off, and he'll be like, I'm falling apart. My life is a wreck. And he's yeah. like, same. Exactly. You know how it feels, Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not comfortable with the pro-Rasputin discourse. Yeah, no, let's, let's veer away from that benefit. <laughs> What I'm saying is he's engaging. I was engaged. Yeah, I was very engaged with all of his scenes. He was very schemy. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Very good song. In the dark of the night, terror will find her. Terror is the least I can do. In the dark of the night. (laughs) And all the little bugs dancing with him. That was great. 
I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And yeah, he had a fun sidekick. There was good banter. Mm. I was, yeah, I was very engaged. Speaking of banter, Anastasia and Dimitri. That was Holy guacamole. <laughs> Just dripping with sexual tension right yeah. from the beginning. But they both had a lot of personality that they mm. brought to it. Vlad had a lot of personality that he brought to the table. Um, it really made, it's a, quite a short movie. It was only like an hour and a half. Mm. Um, but it was packed full of character. Yes. Whereas the last two films we watched were packed full of plot and not much else. Yeah. In the other movies, I got to the point where I was like, if the protagonist dies right now, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, even if it's like the never-ending story, it was difficult to pin down who precisely was the protagonist, who the antagonist Mm. was. Yeah. In Return to Oz, who was the villain of that movie? I don't know. Um... It was all very amorphous. This was quite clear. Yes. Uh, not to say it's bad to have an ambiguous villain, but I think the the reason the villain was ambiguous in Never Ending Story and Return to Oz was poor writing, yeah. not intentional intentional ambiguity. No, no, I would definitely agree. Here's a critique for this movie. All of the characters who are young and conventionally attractive have American accents. I'm talking about Anastasia and Dimitri. Mm-hmm. All of the characters who are old or not conventionally attractive have Russian accents. This is It's very noticeable. Cheeky. That's cheeky sneaky. Yeah, absolutely. It's especially noticeable right at the beginning when you're first getting to meet all of the characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit strange, that. Yeah, that's a, that's a choice. Another criticism is sort of the, like, Romanov's good, communism bad. The Romanovs did nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it was magic that made people turn against them. Yeah, that was, a, that was a hot take. Obviously, the little historical blips about, like, Nicholas not dismissing Rasputin, fairly incidental in terms of what's going on in the movie. Like, obviously, you're going to blur stuff in an animated children's film based yeah. on a historical event. But the the very, like, pro-royalty yeah. stance of the movie, not that that's unique amongst, like, princess films. No. Like, you are the rightful ruler is, is pretty standard. Mm. But here's, here's the thing. If you ignore all of the historical basis of this movie, which really is, like, the only way to view this. Yeah, absolutely. This is the perfect Di- uh, Disney princess movie without being a Disney movie because you've got a charismatic, clever, funny princess mm-hmm. who, you know, she wants things, she's dreaming of a better life, that kind of thing. There's a blooming romance but Rags she saves herself, Rags to Riches, she saves herself, mm-hmm. sings beautiful songs, wears so many cool outfits. Mm-hmm. This is Really cool. And, like, what are Disney doing at the same time? Beauty and the Beast? Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Don't like that movie. Do not like Beauty and the Beast. I think it's done. This is a potential candidate as well. Yeah. It's been quite a while since I've seen Beauty and the Beast. Here, I'm going to say one thing right now is I prefer the live action with Emma Watson. Haven't seen that either. A lot of people don't like it. I I just, I didn't go to see any of the live action ones. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anastasia uses her, uses gumption. Mm Mm-hmm. And... 
is funny. She's funny. She's very That's funny. Like, so many female protagonists in these movies, maybe they're clever, maybe, you know, they have some skill outside of being, you know, pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, Meredith and Brave. She can shoot stuff, and yeah. she's stubborn. She yeah. is so boring. Like, like she's... Because you can't crack a joke. None of them can. Anastasia. She's very, very funny. funny. She's got a lot, a lot going for her. The ban- That's what makes the banter so good. Mm-hmm. She's a full participant in it. Yes. She's a very good character. The banter is funny. It just, it's very frustrating. It's meant to be frustrating. Yeah. It is uh, purposefully frustrating. You were kind of yelling at the screen at Dimitri. You were like, Dimitri, no, you're blowing it. You're blowing it, Dimitri. (laughs) I was getting very involved, which is a good sign. Yeah. Dimitri was completely useless. Oh my god. You know those sort of classic, I just, I had something to tell you, and then that really pregnant pause, and they're like, yes. And then Dimitri just goes, Good luck. And just leaves. Like, what? <laughs> no. looking really flustered, doing a sort of, like, half-job run and away then, because he can't deal with his feelings. And then she just goes, like, Dimitri, wait. What, Anastasia? Thank you. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to be frustrated in a productive way, you know? You know, that's very true. Because last time you were... Fr- well, in return to Oz, you were frustrated because of all the head swapping. Yes, I was not. In, I was not on board with the head swapping. Yeah. Um, and I'm often frustrated by puppets, uh, but this time I was frustrated because uh, the film wanted me to be frustrated with how stupid they both were being. So usually in this part of the podcast, I would ask who your favorite character is, but we know it's Bartok. It's Bartok the Bat. <laughs> This is the first time I'm going to say that the my favourite character is a protagonist. Anastasia. Anastasia. She's uh, very interesting. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Well done, film. Good job. You've there, made me be basic. There's more than one character that we can enjoy authentically. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you then. Which is your favourite song? Oh, that's an excellent question. I think it's got to be the first instance of Once Upon a December, with all of the, like, mm. ghostly figures coming down to dance with her. So the nice. visuals of that were beautiful. It's just a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, like, I hadn't seen this movie before, but I had heard the song, and, like, seeing it in context with, like, what the story was about really added to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna go with Once Upon a December. Yeah. How about you? Hmm. I do really like Once Upon a December. I, but there's some really catchy kind of character songs here yeah, too. For sure. In the Dark of the Night is Hammy. It's good. It's really fun. It's a good villain song. I also like If I Can Learn to Do It because it has the Romanoff Stroganoff line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think my favourite has to be Have You Heard There's a Rumor in St. Petersburg? And this is why. It's because it's this movie's version of the opening song of Beauty and the Beast. It is very much the Russia's version of Bonjour. (laughs) Um, It sets a scene by hitting you in the face with the scene. Everyone's calling each other comrade. People are doing that cross-arm kicky dance. Um, (laughs) Is that the technical term for it? I, there's, no. (laughs) Have you heard the 
guys have been my Racing Pizza Stack. Journey to the Past is quite good. Journey to the Past is excellent. I enjoyed all of the songs in this movie. They have a musical, a Broadway musical of Anastasia. What's that quick change like? Uh, you know what? I, I I have seen which which quick change are you talking about? The one about? in Once Upon a December where she spins and she's suddenly in the big ball gown. Oh, I don't know. Um, but I have seen a quick change for when she goes to the ballet. Ooh. Yes. And that looks very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would see... I don't think it's meant to be like a groundbreaking musical because it's Anastasia. But, you know, I'd yeah. see it. Yeah. I'd be sad to see someone who's not Meg Ryan do it. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Yeah, it was... All the songs were, were really nice. And the animation was beautiful throughout. Yeah. Except for those weird vertigo moments. Yeah. Oh, do you want to talk about the Paris song? You pointed out some cool art history stuff. Did I? What did I say? Oh, the pointillism. I think that's what it was. Yeah, this it was is me. Like Seurat. Yeah, me going back to grade nine art, which was many years ago now. Um, they had some, like, some paintings that were based on famous French painters who I cannot mm. name. Um, Seurat. Sure. Um, <laughs> Shura. <laughs> the pointy dude. Yeah, pointy, the pointy boy. Dude. Pointillism. I know that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, they'd have like the backdrop would be like a pointillism painting and they'd be sitting in it like it was an actual set. Like Dimitri would sit in a chair that was made out of little painted dots. And that, that was, was really cool. Very cool. Points for creativity. Yeah, that was really nice. Not always points in execution because we did feel vertigo sickness. Yes. Um, but it was beautiful it was. and more inventive than some Disney movies of the same era. Yes, I think. I agree. Um, so yeah, it was it was very nice, and the snowy scenes were really beautiful. She's kicking around the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the costumes. I want Anastasia's trench coat. I want Dimitri's kind of pea coat thing. Yeah. Ah, oh, so nice. Good. I want the Empress's kind of strange collar device that she's wearing. Yeah. Yeah. I basically want to dress like someone who's in the 1920s without all of the negative aspects of being someone in the 1920s. Yep. Do you think Anastasia is cursed or blessed? Like, I don't think it's cursed. No. Um, Thank God. Nothing about this movie was... Okay, a couple things were cursed. Um... Cursed aspects of the movie were the pink bat at the end, Rasputin's death scene, and those <laughs> weird vertigo animation shots. And all the Romanoff stuff. And all the Romanoff stuff, but I, yeah. Yeah, the historical inaccuracy. It's not so much historical inaccuracy because the, we can expect that out of a animated film set in history. But Shannon, just... Shannon, 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 Shannon. <laughs> You're letting historical inaccuracies slide when you are so anti the electroshock therapy being used in the incorrect time period in Return to Oz. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, I was very anti the electroshock therapy being used in the wrong time period. Uh... Maybe because I was just upset electroshock therapy was involved at all. Yeah. I think the upsetting thing in this is the the bits of history they gloss over and kind of shine up. Yeah. It's very American. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
so the particular type of historical inaccuracy in it. Like, it's not sort of just the little things, like, oh, Tsar Nicholas and Rasputin never had a falling out while Rasputin was alive. Whatever. That's not so much the issue. It's mm -hmm. more the, like, why did the Russian Revolution happen? And what happened to the Romanovs? Uh, that is a little bit unsettling yep. for the duration of the film. Mm. And I always forgot about it as well. Until they mentioned the word Romanov, and I was like, oh, this is this movie. Yeah. It's about this whole thing. Yeah, and mm. it, it is very hidden in the backdrop. Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure is entirely responsible. Other, so I think those aspects altogether kind of render it blurst instead of blessed. But I don't think it was ever a contender for cursed. No, oh, and praise be... <laughs> We've seen too much cursed content in the last few weeks. And just solidly cursed. Like, we were never on the fence about any of those movies. No, we'd pretend to do a little debate, but really we were just dunking hard on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really regret dunking on Pinocchio so hard. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I was missing the Halcyon days of Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, this is a blessed movie. Yeah. Um... And it's so close to being blessed. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself that a blessed animated movie is Aristocats. Lilo and Stitch. Things yeah. that, like, don't really mess up the history involving a brutal massacre and also the motivations of a beleaguered population of Russia mm -hmm. against a family that, you know, it's a, it's a tricky issue that should not have been tackled uh, in this way. Yeah. But they pulled it off quite nicely. <laughs> By ignoring <laughs> it completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's solidly blurred. I do, like, when we were watching it, during Rasputin's death scene, we were just sort of both going, ah, and then the scene ended, and I was like, nope, blurst, blurst, it's not blessed yes. anymore. Um... <laughs> So I think we're kind of back on track. We've pulled ourselves out of the mire. Our spirits have been uh, rebuilt and we're ready to dash them again. We're doing an extra special episode next time. <laughs> so in real time, we're taking a bit of a break because I'm going to be away for a week and then we're going to go and have a vacay We're going Copenhagen. to Copenhagen. <laughs> so when we return, we're going to do a double movie watch and it's going to be... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the old one with Gene Wilder, and the new one with Johnny Depp, side-by-side side comparison. We've both watched both of these films. I don't know where I stand on one of them. I know very much where I stand on the other one. I just think it's going to be a time. I, I'm going to reread the book in between as well. Yeah. Oh. I think everything Roald Dahl touches is at least a little <laughs> bit cursed. We should get hopped up on sugar. Yeah. We should, we should get, you can get Wonka bars. There's a oh. candy store downtown here. I don't think they're going to taste very good. I'm calling it now. Yeah. They're going to be cursed. We can review those. We're going to review the Wonka bars. We're going to go crazy. I don't want to eat a Wonka bar. I don't want to have some horrible body horror happen to me. I'm going to the American import store and I'm going to get us Wonka bars. You might get turned into a blueberry. 
That's not a risk I want to take. That's what I'll do for our listeners. I'm willing to go the distance. Well, hopefully by the time you hear us next, we won't have been killed by magical chocolate. Thank you very much for listening to our first blessed episode.